0: Merry Christmas, you filthy animals. Nah, I'm just I'm just kidding. That's from home alone. Uh but anyway. Uh yeah, hi, Ashley producer. Um today is Christmas for those that celebrate. For those that don't, this is just gonna be a bonus episode for you that I'm releasing right now, uh, simultaneously to Patreon as well as to uh the greater universe. Uh so this one is not locked behind a paywall. There is one that is locked behind a paywall and that's the one that uh, my friend Jonathan Alexandrados and I did about Star Trek Discovery. And it, ultimately I'm, I'm making this decision even though I should absolutely lock them all behind a paywall because that's what I do. Uh, but I wanted to give everybody something because this has been a pretty tough year and my conversation with Kat and Rocco about how non-binary people don't owe you uh, d- d- they don't owe you androgyny. I felt was a really important conversation to have publicly. And so as much as I am not necessarily going to make this decision for future things at the same time, I I wanted the public to be able to consume it as soon as they can and have access to it. Um, So yeah, thank you all for listening. I've got a major announcement on the first. It's not anything bad. I I always hate when people are like, oh, we have got a major announcement and then it's like something weird or something. It's just, it's an announcement. Uh, So expect that on the first.
1: Is It Transphobic? We'll be addressing issues of transphobia and transmisogyny.
2: We may also address
0: issues of racism, classism, ableism, and various other intersectional issues in this podcast. So this is a trigger warning. The panelists on Is It Transphobic? will also use strong language.
1: So, listener discretion is
0: advised. Hello, everyone. My name is Ashley Lauren Rogers. I am the creator of the Is It Transphobic podcast. I use she, her, and they, them pronouns. And today I'm being joined by. I'm Kat Kaplan. Uh, They them
2: and uh, my name is Rocco Riccardi. Uh, He him works for me.
0: Awesome So first and foremost, I just want to state that uh, no matter what This is a broad subject. We are only three people discussing it and no matter what we say Here there are perspectives. We will not be able to speak from and for and hopefully this is the first of many conversations by this title Uh, non-binary people are not a monolith and ultimately I would love to explore this question with a lot of very different people in the future, but yeah. So for, for the first one, can you just share what you're willing to share about finding and owning your non-binary self?
1: Uh, yeah. Um, so I guess I first heard the phrase like genderqueer when I was like late teens, early twenties, I guess that, that kind of time. And I, saw it as a thing that I definitely was like, oh yeah, I feel that, but I didn't really own it as part of my identity. And then as I kind of, you know, kept going, um, in my life, I met more trans and non-binary people and like found that community and really found myself identifying and for a while, especially in my mid twenties, I was out as non-binary, but not really like expressing that, um, as much as I felt like it and a lot of that had to do with like environment and circumstances and all that uh but I guess around like a year ago it kind of hit me I was because I was kind of thinking about myself as like a non-binary person who happens to be AFAB but I'm kind of just a person and then I was like wait no I'm actually a man who's non-binary I just got confused because of the whole assigned gender thing um, <laughs> it was like, I was thinking, I was like, man, I'll never, I, ne- I will never feel like a woman. And then I was like, maybe, maybe there's a reason for, <laughs> for that. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, in, in, in the past like year or so, as I've been like more comfortable expressing my gender and figuring out what that means to me and how to own my masculinity without necessarily changing the way i appear or interact
2: um for me you know i guess you know my journey with uh non-binary life started i guess about four years ago and you know i um i had a lot of friends who were who were trans non-binary you know non-conforming and it was always something i understood but i don't think i did this self-reflection until you know, and unfortunately, I was friends with people at the time who were very transphobic. Unfortunately, and there were a lot of instances where I'd be sitting in a car with them and they would start going on these rants. And, you know, it, my reactions to them, I tried to be educational, but I, I started taking a lot of it very personally. And I think that led to some self reflection. I was like, why am I? reacting and getting so, you know, hurt by what they're saying, besides just feeling empathy, I think a lot of it was just like, I, I think this is me. I think a lot of what we're talking about is is about me. But, you know, I, I've always been a very um very masculine presenting, you know, always been able to grow a full face of hair, um, deep voice, all of these things. So for a while, I think there was a disconnect there because I felt like if I was going to be non-binary, then I felt like I should, I, if I really was, I would look more the part. And I think that's a big theme of what we're going to discuss today that mm-hmm. I think over time I learned that I don't, you know, outwardly, I don't have to be presenting what the world wants to be seeing of me to mean non-binary. I think as long as inside I feel comfortable and, you know, you know all of that, that, that's kind of how my personal realization kind of started. I unfortunately did have to cut those people out of my life, which was a very hard decision to do because I was very close with them. But at the same time, you know, they were saying some pretty terrible things. So I guess they made it easy for me. But, you know, going through that brief trauma, I suppose, of, um, you know, losing somebody that I thought was close to me, I think helped me realize who I am and how I actually feel.
0: I know uh, for me and just uh, like the the listeners aren't necessarily going to see this, but just for my fellow panelists, I know I'm drinking from a bottle. It is IBC root beer. It is not. I'm not having a noontime beer. It is a Saturday, (laughs) but, you know, no, I'm having a root beer. Uh, Yeah, for me, I fought so hard for years to be taken seriously as a woman, as a trans woman. And I didn't like I I hate to say I didn't even know non-binary existed. But i didn't even know non-binary existed until like i had already basically like made the stand and said i'm a woman damn it and then i was like wait wait this is an (laughs) option and like not to say that you know like who you are is optional but at the same time it's like if we're choosing words it's like wait this is a word option Mm -hmm. uh and uh like that's why i tend to whenever people ask me uh about about gender stuff i usually use the term non-binary trans woman because I, I like, like, I'm a visual, like, I'm not a visual person. I can't speak in visuals, but I look like I'm very good at like seeing things in visuals. And so if we're looking at a chart, I'm definitely closer to woman, whether we look at that as a line or whether we look at that as more of an open chart, like a graph. I'm definitely more towards woman. But at the same time, I don't think I'm f- like, I, I feel like I'm closer within that non binary space and so yeah that, that's the very complicated way of saying like oh my gosh i fought so hard for x now i have to deal with y god damn it <laughs> like, but yeah uh so for me uh, that that has always been the 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 big thing uh and like rocco sort of hinted at what we're talking about today is this idea of androgyny and that uh tra- or that trans and non-binary folk and but specifically non-binary folk have to c- feel the the pressure to conform to androgyny. Uh, now we're going to be talking a little bit about that, but w- how do we define androgyny? I'm sure that we can find it in a dictionary, but like, what does androgyny? What is the definition of androgyny that we can work with that the audience can sort of understand a little bit easier?
1: I always think of like the the way androgyny is generally portrayed in media, where it's like a it's generally like I think of, you know, like Bowie or or someone like that. That's, you know, very like and it's usually they usually are either an uh, assigned male person or an assigned female person with like a smaller chest. It's usually about being very small and kind of like. Like, um, ethereal looking. I guess is a thing, and it's it, it's more about like not having any defining gender characteristics in your appearance than like actually being any any you know form of non binary.
2: Yeah, I mean for me, like a good example that I like to, it, it, like a like a exactly like what Cat was kind of alluding to, somebody purely neutral in their appearance, right? So, oftentimes that means that they're lending. Um, looks or attributes of you know the two sides of the binary right so somebody might be in a suit but wearing makeup right you know for the rest of society that's uh, a combination of two sides of one coin that everybody else kind of sees whereas you know internally especially for folks who are non-binary sometimes it's it's not about the appearance it's about how you feel or how you act so I know like for me um you know i enjoy wearing a tux and getting uh, dressed up but you know i also really enjoy putting on like skin tight floral pants or you know or um i do do makeup every now and then and some days depending on how the wind's blowing i really enjoy that or sometimes i don't care you know so i think that there needs to be an understanding for the audience that what the world thinks is androgyny versus what i think non-binary people think is androgyny there's a slight deviation there um mm. in that the we don't have to work so hard to show the world androgyny in the way that you expect it right like i said i don't know if that helps the audience understand or makes it even more vague but <laughs> i think that's kind mm. of the, the way <laughs> I feel there
1: yeah it's definitely like that like that like um it it, it expects you to have aspects of both ends of the gender spectrum as opposed to like if they want you to be like right in the middle of it as opposed to like like ashley was saying it's a whole is a whole thing um and i think that was for me uh, a roadblock i came to was that i am very comfortable being femme presenting like um you know i i like wear clothes from the men's section occasionally and am just kind of grungy but like overall i'm femme presenting which really was um like e- even even in the queer community i felt like i you know i like appeared as a woman and i wasn't sure how to make that distinction and it that was it ended up being i just talk about it and say it all the time which works um But yeah, just like I felt like because I wasn't interested in appearing like a man and especially because I I wasn't, um, you know, necessarily thinking about any actual like medical transitioning that I was excluded from that world Um, because I was like, well, if I'm comfortable appearing like this, then I can't actually mean it.
2: I was going to offer one other example so i mean in some of the examples we've talked about about what the world sees as androgyny you know we said like you know bowie and you know stuff of that where it's like taking a little bit from both sides um another really good example i mean um if anybody's watched the show she i'm a huge fan of she i think the queer community inherently loves she for a lot of different reasons hell yeah But, you know, the character uh, Double Trouble in Mm. she was a perfectly neutral character and it it wasn't even, it wasn't ever questioned or considered, you know, what side, right, like, you know, of the historical binary that, you know, that person would fall on and uh, the characters just, you know, only ever used they to address Double Trouble, so you know, Double Trouble is like a perfect example of somebody that's just perfectly on that neutral line that doesn't waver to either side, and even that's a form of androgyny that I think is a high expectation. But it's another good example of just perfectly right there in the middle. And mm-hmm. you know, so I, I figured I'd offer that up if that helps the audience.
0: And admittedly, there there is an entire there's an entire episode that we could do on Shira, and I want to. We're <laughs> just waiting for the right. For the right commentators, but uh like also this idea of because Double Trouble is voiced by Jacob Tobia, who is is Tobia or Tobias? I'll look that up. But Jacob Tobia, I believe, uh, and Jacob is a non-binary speaker, presenter, and writer. And a Jacob did an amazing job as Double Trouble. But even then, Double Trouble is a shapeshifter. And that is a thing that I've had to constantly talk to other writers about is this idea of non-binary people can be more than just aliens and shapeshifting beings and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, we can be real humans. Like I realized that technically uh Shira slash, um, oh, I can't remember her human name when she's Adora. not Shira. Adora. Even Adora is technically not a human. She's an Eternian, I believe. Uh, man, the Shira, the Shira community is going to hate me after this. Anyway, uh but, <laughs> an Edenian, I believe. Uh, but like even then like she's human in form. Like she's the stand-in human. Um But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, oh, man, no, there, there's so much that we could talk about with that. But uh, I also wanted to offer up, especially that idea of, because we we talked about this idea of uh, somewhere in the middle, somewhere like androgyny. It's interesting because androgyny sometimes, to some people, when they talk about it, is viewed as uh, this mix where it is almost like, uh, like like the example that was brought up, a business suit and makeup. Um, where it's just sort of like two things that we expect from one and the other, and it doesn't necessarily have to be neutral. It can be something over, like larger and over the top, like a dress and a beard. Um, and a, if you are the type that rocks a dress and a beard or makeup and a business suit, hey, fuck yeah. Uh, and I just wanna, I just wanted to throw that out because like I don't want people to think that we are talk, we are shit talking androgyny. It's just more a matter of like, hey, like there are a lot of expectations that get put on us because of this expectation to be androgynous if we're going to be non-binary. It's this idea of, I need to look at you and be able to put you in a box from other people. So I'd love to start talking about sort of what society expects from us as non-binary folk. Like what are the things, just to sort of start outside, what what are some things that you've noticed the outer society expect from you once either they realize that you're non-binary or the messages that you're receiving about being non-binary in some way.
1: I think for me, pronouns has been a whole thing. Um, When I was using, cause I, when I first came out or started living as out more out, um, I was using she, her, and they, them, like whichever. Well, for a while I was just like, whatever pronouns you want to use, I don't care, but I was always getting she and I think I fe- I felt like unless I used they that people weren't going to internalize it as much. And I started using using they just in um like a professional uh, theatrical um, context. I do performance stuff. So it's like when I entered a new room, I'd always introduce myself with those pronouns just so I establish like especially with casting and with, you know, um, interactions like like that that were more personal I wanted people to understand the person I actually was and then I just started using it because it was easier not to make the distinction um between those two worlds um and I still don't really care like if people call me she I'm not going to like be upset about it um I still really in my personal life uh doesn't bother me one way or the other but I noticed like my friends and stuff just started referring to me as they all the time. and it was kind of more like the people I was close to adopted it more than I really care. It was like because they used it so much, I was like, well, why not?
2: For me, at least what I see expectation wise or people, you know, it's always um, a lot of folks who aren't super um, fluent in you know the non-conforming world. You know a lot of times they get confused they're like well then what does that mean about your sexuality or well what does that mean about how you feel about blah 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 or oh does that mean you are gay does that mean you are bi that you know a lot of times they don't realize that it's completely um irrelevant from each other sometimes there's correlation sure but um you know realistically it's two separate things and one other one other thing i'll say expectation wise besides that is um You know, a lot of times you become tokenized, I think, where, you know, I work in the corporate world, Uh, you know, that's where my my career is in advertising and digital marketing and all that. And, you know, a lot of times I worry about revealing my true self, you know, especially to colleagues or professionals, because there's going to be two sides of the spectrum. It's either going to be judgment and that's going to affect work, or it's going to be on the other other extreme side, where it's just like, oh, here is somebody. We've got the one person here, and look how diverse we are. Can you be the spokesperson for all of everybody that is like you? And I think this conversation is proving that there is not all of everybody who's exactly like each other. So you know, sometimes I think the expectation can become that where you become the um, you know the the poster the poster person for um, you know for that for that identity, which is something that I, I would prefer not to be, right? So I think sometimes expectations can go down that route, to be like that token, oh, I know a non-binary person, and then, you know.
0: Yeah, and, and especially just to, to reflect on what you've both shared, like the, the this idea of uh, pronouns in general. Pronouns, even for people that are still figuring out what pronouns they want to use uh, and what pronouns reflect who they are better. Uh, It it can be tough, especially even when you're asked like, hey, what pronouns do you use? It's like, oh, no, like this can be like I've met people. And this is why I kind of relax a lot on if folks don't want to share pronouns, if folks don't. I tend to just use their name if I can remember it. I'm terrible with names. (laughs) but like I try really hard to just remember names in those cases because For people that are still figuring it out, it can be a very traumatic thing to publicly ask, what are your pronouns? And it's like, I don't know, especially for very much like like you were saying, Kat, that idea of, well, if I use pronoun X and people are only ever using pronoun X, even though I use other pronouns, uh, then it becomes a lot harder and you kind of have to put yourself in that, like, no, I have to really advocate for myself and say this, even though it really doesn't bother me that much. And at least in my case, it's because there might be someone else who can't advocate as loudly, as quickly, as et cetera, et cetera, as I know I'm able to. And so it's just like, all right, nope. We got to, we got to shut this down because I know that like, there's going to be someone in this room who maybe doesn't feel safe advocating in that way. So yeah. And especially like Rocco, that, that idea of like the, the, the interlocked idea of gender, sex, sexuality, et cetera, et cetera. All of these things being such rigid spaces is absolutely uh, it's something that we've 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 been dealing with forever but it's just like yeah like even you think you think you're making steps you think you're making progress and even then like you just throw that out to someone like hey you know i'm non-binary like i've had people literally say to me because my wife is a cis woman and they're like how does that work it's like really well like (laughs) we're married. i I, I don't know what to tell you
2: Like <laughs> awesomely?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like, like like relationship wise, um generally if I in like a casual sexual context, I lean more towards men. Um and that has been like such a fucking thing because cis men will like and it's always it's always cis men who want to explore explore queerness and I become their like safety. Which if somebody I've had people be like open about that like I enjoy being with you because you're a man, but like I don't feel like it's that you know when they're first like coming out and experiencing it. And it's like if you're open with me about it, I'm like cool, that makes sense. But I've I've had A lot of cis guys like very much fetishize me and very much make it about like my body in the opposition of my gender. But in doing that, they just erase my whole gender. Um, And it's one of those things where it's like hard to explain um, to a cis person because it's like all I can say is I feel like you're treating me like a woman but they do not understand what that means.
0: Like, I because I will freely admit, like my my wife and I have had a fantastic relationship. We've been together since high school, so I like boohoo, Ashley. But like, I'm lucky enough to never have to <laughs> navigate the dating scene, especially in the digital age. Um, yeah. But but yeah, like I've definitely had people come up to me specifically, like with like it's a funny exchange because i was able to get away and i state that ahead of time in case people kind of like just like but like i've definitely left the donut shop and had somebody be like, hey 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 it's like hi uh well you you come here often it's like, to, to get donuts sometimes <laughs> like, just because i'm you know like i'm six foot four i have very broad shoulders i do not give a shit about changing my voice respect to those that like want to change your voice at the same time. Like, I just, I don't care. I can't be bothered. Uh, and so like, there are a lot of people that look at me and I'm like, I'm, vis- I'm visibly queer. And so it's very much a like, oh, you, this, maybe? It's like, no.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I used to do the whole Tinder thing. Um I had to stop that. I mean, A, I think digital like that kind of um talking or dating tactic doesn't really work for me anyway the way I, I choose to pursue relationships. But also it was like it was it was either like explaining what my what non-binary in my bio meant or like mm-hmm. having people who thought they understood it or having like other queer people who were we were all just awkward on Tinder because that's you know <laughs> that's what you did <laughs>
0: No, I I definitely hear that. Actually, I'm I'm curious if we could go even further because I know we've talked a little bit about the the outer world, the a little bit more of the the connected world that we actually have. Uh, like, what about within the the queer community itself? Like, how have we navigated? Because I mean, like how, how like obviously we're a part of the, like we are a part of the queer community, but especially as non-binary folk, other expectations from other queer folk, other binary trans folk, other cis gay folk? Like, what, what are expectations from them that we can kind of acknowledge and, and sort of chat about, I wonder?
2: Well, I mean, my first reaction to that, and, you know, I'll try not to be super controversial with the way I say this, but the way that I see the way that we sit in the community, I, I almost compare it to how I see a lot of bi people sit in the community. I feel like bi people get a lot of judgment. They get a lot of, um, there's a lot of phobia that gets directed towards them by, you know, the gay and lesbian side of it. And I'm not generalizing, it's definitely not all, but it exists and it is a very, it's a huge struggle for folks that are bisexual. I see people who are non-binary almost in a similar position in relation to their, you know, to trans folks, their trans siblings. A lot of times the phrase not trans enough or, um, you know, and I say this all sensitively because, you know, I know that me physically presentably will not face the same challenges, bias, hate, you know, that, you know, some of my trans siblings may face. But, you know, a lot of times it gets hard to navigate those waters because it's like, well, where do I fit in then in this community? Am I to just kind of stand in the back and just kind of be part of the, kumbaya every now and then or do i have a right to be here do you know am i am i meant to be here so internally especially within the community i kind of feel like that's hard to navigate um because obviously you want to be sensitive you want to be you want to be courteous you want to be inclusive but yeah like i I personally just find it so challenging sometimes because some people come down really really hard on You know, especially when we're not androgynous, because it's just like, well, you have no idea. And it's like, you know, you might be true. Maybe that might be true. I I might not know every single thing, but I am here and don't I belong here? So, you know, I think that's like a a bit of an internal struggle there in terms of navigating that.
1: I I've been lucky that no one in my personal life has really been um, exclusionary directly everyone's like every once in a while but especially in the past i'd hear like a cis person i knew generally do the like we'll pick a side kind of thing um which is very similar like rocco was saying to the to the bi uh community um and just feeling like you know feeling like. You don't belong or i was you know every time around pride there's always kind of like that debate of like well it shouldn't be a debate i do little quotation marks um yeah. about whether or not trans exclusive people should even come to pride and they're like well trans people shouldn't even be at pride etc etc is a whole thing um and i it's more like i hear a lot of that like you know online and stuff and the whole trans exclusionary thing where I hear a lot of um people who identify as gay or lesbian being like like oh well that's fine but I would never date a trans person like then that's like just um you know it's it's like you can say we're okay to exist but if you don't really want to interact with us, then it's like, how okay is it?
0: Yeah, and and just to throw this out because I know we've we've had discussions like this before, but in case this is the first time you're you're joining in, no, you do not have to date anyone at all, ever. At the exact same time, if you have a blanket statement, I will not date trans people, I will not date uh, black people, I will not date people with disabilities, et cetera, et cetera. Like, fuck off. Um, like, no, that's. No, that's not a preference. That's you being a disrespectful, motherfucker. If a person can consent, you should be open, really. And if you're not, mm. hey, like that's you. No one's forcing you. But mm, okay. Anyway, uh, that's <laughs> with that with that in mind. I because I, I completely agree. I think that a lot of people look at non-binary. Uh, genders as a sort of for lack of a term a stepping stone like oh you're just not willing to and this is very similar to again like I'm not bi but I have many friends in the bi community who have talked about this idea of like no people look at this as like oh you just haven't chosen yet you just haven't picked a side yet and that is so prohibitive not only because I feel like if we embrace the idea of I think if we embrace the idea that things can change, like obviously, yes, there's certain things about us that like we know to be absolute truths, but at the same time, a lot of things can change. Like you can realize your sexuality later in life. You can realize your gender later in life and you can realize that your gender may be fluctuating and shifting throughout time. You can maybe realize that, oh, I've just been putting up with a lot of things throughout time that have stopped me from living who I am. And again, if that changes, fucking respect. Mm -hmm. Fucking respect. But the more we try and lock this stuff in, the more we say, you have to know, you have to absolutely understand, the harder it is. If someone says to you, hey, I'm using she, her pronouns, and then three months later they say, actually, I'm using they, them pronouns now, fucking respect. Oh, anyway. Uh, I thought,
2: <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, you know, I think that's really indicative of just the world we live in, right? I think, you know, the, not to be like we live in a society, but you know, we live in <laughs> we live in a society where the binary is very much ingrained, right? And folks who are non-binary, folks in the queer community, we know that there's a long, long history of non-binary folks in the rest of the world, right? You know, we've got like the sister girls and brother boys from Australia, we've got like the Hydra from South Asia, we've got you know, like two-spirit folks from you know, northern Native Americans for centuries and millennia that has existed everywhere except for Europe, right? And basically, Europe didn't have that sort of thing or denounced that sort of thing because it would inherently topple patriarchal power struggles or structures, rather. Um, And the reason why I say that is, you know, we still live in a product of that world. And even though a lot of us in the non-binary community, we have learned how to open that box and get out of that box, we still live in a world made of boxes, right? So it's it's a really hard world to navigate because a lot of our language and identity honestly has to revolve around how the world's going to interact with us and look at us. So, you know, just like you were saying, Ashley, like one month, it might be like I've decided on pronouns, but, you know, my internal feelings don't, or my internal identity doesn't subscribe to, you know, the... The barriers put in place over the past however many centuries. So I I just think that's really indicative of just our internal fluctuations and whatnot reacting and trying to translate into the world that we live in, which is really hard to, especially when it's a world that typically, you know, I think it's obviously gotten better, but typically doesn't recognize um, people like us. So, you know, I think that translation isn't always a one-to-one translation.
1: Yeah. And I think that a lot of people in general aren't educated about the historical existence of non-binary identities. So I think people tend to just assume it has been this way forever, forever and ever and ever. But it's, it's mm-hmm. you know, like you said, it's the Eurocentric ideas that have just been forced on everybody. Um, but I think, you know, because people don't know about it, they just assume it is new.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, and, and even then, like this this notion of even just going back earlier in US history and What's going on on the Patreon? Well, we're interviewing Nikki Wolfuck, a author as well as a amazing chocolatier. It kind of reflects more of how I see things because I've been on the outside for so long in so many different communities
1: and not feeling like i fit fed in. And so when I decided to create the chocolate company,
0: I wanted to create a community. So that has always been like the first and foremost. So we find, you know, we have these adventures, we have these different flavors that we taste, and, you know, we're, we're tapping into different places, different people and different experiences, but we're also coming together with this mutual understanding. And so that was my motivator, and so that's what I hope to bring when it comes to the chocolates. So if you want to get access to that episode now, that's Patreon.com/slash IsItTransphobic. In general, like Westernish history, we didn't start dressing children up as specific genders with gendered clothing with gendered anything until maybe about the 50s, when it started to become in trend to just dress them like tiny adults. And that's within recent history. Like, that's Mm -hmm. within, there are people still alive that were born in the 50s. I mean, now as we're moving into the 2020s, that's becoming, like, the the numbers are dwindling. But at the same time, like, there are people still alive from the 50s um, and from before then. So, yeah. So, I want to move to something actually before we move to happy things because i want to make sure that we're talking about like as opposed to just like let's do some deep dives about our genders uh (laughs) i will talk about i will ask some happy questions but uh let me ask what does this adherence to androgyny of non-binary people do for the general population like not even just non-binary folk how does it affect everyone because it does, and we we've talked a little bit about this, but I want to hear what you you have to say about that question. So
2: your question is how and um, how androgyny impacts the rest of like the the cis world, for example. Yeah, I see it. Um, I see it as a um, double-edged sword. Is that the word that I'm looking for? I guess like it, it's twofold in the sense that one, we're exposing the rest of the world to the fact that there's more that exists, right? And by visually having more and more icons, people, even just regular people walking down the street and doing it well and presenting well and looking fabulous and people just learning that like this is very much a thing that exists. I think it kind of helps, especially folks who are very just purely cis who just haven't had a chance to learn otherwise. It helps them acclimate to the idea that there's more than just the two buckets. On the flip side, I think it also... Um, let's makes them think that that's what the answer is and only that which i think can be harmful right so it's like we're we're like we're wading them into the water almost but it's almost like maybe we should just push them in the deep end and let them know like you know it all it's all valid, right so it's like uh especially when it comes to just like pushing equality and stuff like this i think it's a really fine line to walk because like you want acceptance and you need to be strategic with gaining that acceptance but at the same time like you don't owe close-minded people the tiptoes based on their fragility does that make sense Mm -hmm. um but so, so i think it's a little bit of both i think it's helping but it's also kind of creating just a third bucket to sit in
1: yeah yeah i that's that's a really good point and I, cuz i generally think of it like you know being visible helps people see that it is an option but that is true that that people will just glob onto what they're seeing and think that's that um and i think i think it's important to emphasize that there is a gender spectrum and that you don't have to like pick a part of it to be on because you know it's not just those three buckets yeah Um it's a bunch of things and I think hopefully the more people learn about non-binary identities and uh, experience you know non-binary people and and the more it becomes normalized then hopefully the toxic parts of different gender roles can start to fall away because, you know, if you accept the fact that it's not as real and rigid as we've been taught to believe, then all the things that surround, oh, you do this because you're a man or a woman or whatever, like those can start to be broken down also.
2: You know, to, to like put one, like half a comment on the back of that, you know, I think it's it's part of a very, it's a strange idea that I think I have internally that, I think, you know, a lot, really, if you think about it, gender is pretty, it's an antiquated system. I think it's, it's creating opportunities for people to put a word to how they feel and, you know, who is that for, you know, besides everybody else, right? It's, it, it helps folks find community. It helps folks find umbrellas to be underneath. And I think that's wonderful. And I think it really saves a lot of people, honestly, but, you know, it's, as far as the rest of the world is concerned, like when I'm explaining to people, they're like, what makes you non-binary? And then I explain it, you know, for me, it's all, it's not like a point on a map. It's a range between spaces, you know, where there's certain things about the stereotypical genders on both sides that I like, and I want to encompass. And then sometimes folks are like, oh, well, I like those things too. So maybe I'm also non-binary. And for me internally, that's just like, It's just proving the point that gender roles just don't have as much of a space today as they used to used It used to be that's what you're going to do. Go and do it. Nowadays, it's kind of like everybody's a combination of everything and we should all just be people. But, you know, I think that's I could see both sides of that conversation. But, yeah, it's just the more and more I talk to folks who are outside of it. And I see their reactions and they're like, oh, maybe I am, too. And I was like, well, maybe none of us are, you know, like, but that's a whole (laughs) separate. That's a whole separate ball game.
0: <laughs> uh, I just, I just want to throw out there, like honestly, like, and I've had people question their gender after talking to me too, and it's just like, you know, yeah, like I, I think it is healthy to question. It is healthy mm-hmm. to question, and I think that people will assume, oh, well, if I start questioning, then I absolutely will be, and maybe you will, but more often than not, I see these friends later and they're like, "Yeah, no, that was a no." Nope. And it was just like, and they might many of them will even say, oh, no, that was a stupid thought. And it's like, no, it absolutely was not a stupid thought. You put, even if it was just very quickly, you put some time into considering it. You put some time into realizing like, no, I, this is who I am. Even if you are cis and I do love you, but okay, fine. You're cis. No, anyway. <laughs> this hypothetical you. Even though even though I like you, in spite of your cisness, uh, so
1: <laughs> yes, I've definitely had friends who, who, who like identify as non-binary for a minute, and then are like, "Oh no, I am actually cis." Um, but you know, it's good. To, it, like you said, it's good to to feel that out and to not be afraid, because I think there's a lot of like you don't want to go back. On coming out, um, and you don't want to, you know, you don't want people to think it was like a phase or whatever. Um, but I think, yeah, I think it's important to, if you feel like that's a thing you want to explore, then like go ahead and explore it, and it doesn't necessarily
0: have to be a commitment. Like, and that that definitely jumps into a lot of what what I was going to bring up, which is uh, something that we we've been touching on is that idea that it, for lack of a better term, polices cis folk into locking in, like, this activity is gendered, this thing is gendered, this thing. Should I do this thing? Should I buy soap or should I buy man soap? Like, <laughs> should I buy mascara or should I buy manscara? I don't man-scara. know. It doesn't exist. But <laughs> I, let me tell you, let me tell you, if it existed, men would buy it. <laughs> Some, like eyeliner. Yeah. Eyeliner, <laughs> manscara
2: yeah the whole the makeup on whole dude Like, just for,
0: just, just for makeup just clean yourself moisturize because moisturizer is not feminine we all have skin yeah, yeah.
2: Olli- <laughs> exfoliate your your back you know like there's plenty of things and it's okay to do it's just human self-care like <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> But yeah, that like more more than anything else I wanted to bring that up as like it really enforces that idea of policing your own gender. And in reality, your gender is has nothing to do with your moisturizer.
2: <laughs> I feel Level. like
0: that's be, you know what? I've been trying to figure out I've been trying to figure out t-shirts for this and I think your gender has nothing to do with your moisturizer is going to be a t-shirt, baby. <laughs>
2: You could oh, smell like cherry blossoms, or you could smell like sandalwood. If you're moisturized, as long as you're as long as you're healthy, that's what really matters.
1: Yeah, it's really just like gendered scents. It's like <laughs> the female one is like spring rain, and then the male one is like wood or, or something.
0: Oh, right. oh.
2: Really? lumberjack tar. <laughs>
0: What was it I like and even then like so because I worked at Sephora for a while and they had an entire men's section of skincare and if you look it's like you know everything around you is like there's clinical like outside of the men's specific island that we had there was like Dr. Brandt and Dr. This and like it was very clinical. It was very like what I would call gender neutral. Uh, and then there was also like some more over like overtly feminine products, which again anyone can use, but at the same time they're just marketing feminine. And then you get to the men's island, and it's just like steel blue and like, <laughs> like what is this?
1: It's, <laughs> it's like, will it offend your masculinity to smell like anything else? It's it's like it has to be something stereotypically. And I, it's like it confuses me because a lot of times I'm like I'm not even sure why it'll be like like leather or like bourbon or something you know <laughs> like campfire you know all of those things that I'm like these are hmm. I didn't know that these were genders but okay. <laughs>
0: I'm not gonna lie, like I, we're we're going on tangent, but I'm happy with this tangent. Uh, not gonna lie, like my favorite, and I don't like the smell of any of these, but my favorite is the like walking through the axe, the axe collections because they're all like tiger mauling and like <laughs> what the <laughs> hell is this? What's the smell like this?
1: What's the oh, smell? Like
0: this? I, think I my... used
1: to wear axe in college. <laughs> <laughs> That's all. <laughs> That's the whole story. End of story. <laughs>
2: I was going to say, I think my first, like my very, very first baby questioning self-thought was like in the seventh grade, it was after gym class and all the, you know, in the boys locker room, we were like, oh, I've got Phoenix body spray. Oh, well, I've got the, whatever the hell the green one was, you know, like, and we're like interchanging and like, we all walk out and we smell like just aerosol, like with just like weird colors thrown into it. And then like, I walked past a girl who was coming out of the girls locker room and she smelled like perfume and I was like. What a beautiful, wonderful scent to smell like! It must be nice because I'm stuck wearing this, and at the time, I thought I was stuck because you know that's just what I was taught. But that was like my first little like, so close to getting to the point. Like, just like, why do I have to smell so bad when I want to trouble- smell <laughs> good? You know. Like- <laughs> Oh,
0: I love this. I love this so much. So actually, this this leads into another question that I want to bring up as, again, like as we start moving towards like a very positive ending, not that our discussion was negative, but a positive ending. What does gender euphoria look like for you? Uh, I wrote as a non-binary person, but really just in general, what does gender euphoria look like for you when you hear that term?
2: I mean, I'll say for me, like, you know, I have I get very specific like memories. You know, I'm very much into... um festivals and raves and, you know, stuff like that. And that's like such, a, it's such an an avenue to just express yourself with whatever, like I can wear just straight up, just highlighter pink all day and everybody's just gonna give me high fives for it. You know, that's a, that's a very vanilla example of, you know, like, you know, breaking the norm, but, you know, just like with so, with so many memories, just being in the sun, wearing a romper, wearing, you know, like whatever the hell I want, glitter all over the place, Working with a bunch of women in the middle of a circle and nobody cares and we're all just throwing it back and just like stuff like that it was just like for me just so euphoric because nobody around really cares what i'm doing or how i'm doing it or the fact that i'm like doing something that like there's really nobody else masculine presenting that's dancing like that but i'm doing it and i'm doing it with a bunch of my like just rave fam sister people and it just stuff like that just feels so wholesome and warming because I don't have to think about it during that time. I don't have to think about that that entire day. you know it's just stuff like that just creates a sense of euphoria for me because it's just it just doesn't matter. I'm just a right now in this moment I'm just a dancer. but right now in this moment I'm just a tall human covered in glitter, you know So stuff like that's nice. It, it, it's relaxing almost to just focus on the moment instead of you know times like when I'm walking, up Broadway, and I decided to wear one of my more queer outfits that day, and I'm getting all kinds of looks from all kinds of people, you know, like walking past an old woman who like, you know, like visibly is disgusted, or like a pickup truck driving by of people who are just very angry at me, because I decided to wear floral pants that made my butt look really big that day, you know, (laughs) it's, it's times like that are not relaxing, whereas times where I'm just out living, it's, it's very euphoric, I would say
0: yeah there's there's something to that statement of just times where i'm living is euphoric Mm -hmm. is just yeah like i I just wanted to reflect on that i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off cat i just Mm -hmm. there's something about that statement that's just like incredibly powerful and speaking to me right now so i just wanted to state that yeah yeah
1: i think like you said festivals are really great for that because it is very much an environment where nobody's really gonna judge you like who's taking out time to sit there and like form an opinion of you when there's so much going on it this feels like very freeing and everybody's just there to have like the best time and i i totally it is a very safe place i feel like uh festival culture in general to explore gender um i know a decent amount of people who have like been like you know been thinking maybe i'm nonbinary binary and trans and like really um embodying that in the festival life and like seeing how, if they can, how they feel about living, like presenting that way. um, That is a big thing. I feel like for me, it is, it, it has to do with like feeling masculine through appearing feminine. Like I think, I think about one of my biggest moments of like gender euphoria I was wearing like lingerie and fishnets out at this party and I just felt like so manly even though I was like wearing lacy shit um and it was like the energy coming out of me I felt like was so just like just like what my gender is it was just like I was on my shit that day but it's like the confidence and the and the um yeah, it's like it's like just that confidence, really, in like not thinking that somebody's going to react badly. Like 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 Rocco was saying, it's like the difference between a festival and this walking down the street uh, is is huge.
0: I I highly agree. Uh, I've done a lot of like anime and sci-fi conventions. I've done like which is different from a festival, but at the same time very similar. And while there mm-hmm. have been issues because any large group of people where the public is involved. You know, like shit can happen, but at the same time, uh, for the most part, it's just an amazingly uh, like an amazingly like opening experience Uh, for me. I think the time I find the most gender euphoria is working on pieces, uh, like working on performance pieces. I know uh, Kat and I met because we did a performance piece together uh, in March? I don't know. I don't remember what it was. Nah, no, it
1: was June, but that's
0: fine. <laughs> nice. It was June, it was yeah.
1: the same thing at this point.
0: Um, honestly, <laughs> everything, everything is just together. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, and, like, especially Scowl, just because I think when people look at me and they look at like i constantly get and this is the thing like this it i have to explain this in order to in order to get there but like i am constantly asked to audition for uh musicals and i think particularly as trans women there are a lot of amazing trans women who have growing up been denied the ability to participate in these things for various reasons because musicals are looked at as feminine and because again like the roles that you would have been up for were not as interesting and were not the ones that fit you and so now it's like all right i can do i can sing i can dance i can do all the things i want to do that's not me and it just keeps getting like annoying that i keep getting it's like it's great i love that people are thinking of me at the same time it's just like i can't sing I can't, I dancing is one of the most like anxiety inducing things I can possibly think of to do to myself, but I love stage combat and people don't think of trans women in terms of like combat. And so Mm -hmm. it's like being able to do scowl and being able to get together with a group of people and just like literally create a weird comedy show that's sort of like the Muppets, but stage combat and pro wrestling is like, this whole weird sense of gender euphoria because we're literally all just fighting for a belt that we're totally safely working out how we can make it look terrifying but also tell a really interesting story and so for me those are the times where i find the most gender euphoria <laughs>
1: that sounds awesome i didn't know about that
0: oh yeah i gotta yeah I'll, yeah I'll send you some videos send me the yeah awesome yeah love it so uh also oh. I have I have the question just sort of like, what is a good day for you? Like we kind of started talking about that, but like on the general, like what does a good day look like for you? Like, is there some sort of structure to it? Is it like, oh, a good day is a day where it's like, I follow the structure and I'm happy and I can do a thing. Or is it just sort of like a good day is a day where I have nothing planned and something cool happens.
2: <laughs> is it is it sad that I'm like, I'm trying to figure out how to answer it, right? Is that, is that a depressing thing? Um... <laughs> <laughs>
0: I mean, in, in um, this time, it's a very understandable answer. I mean, real,
1: yeah. 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 <laughs> I,
2: mean, I mean, for me, like, honestly, you know, I used to, there there used to be so many different ways I would express my creativity or just, even if it was just for myself, you know, not even sharing it with the world, but just for myself, you know, days like that where I could have a, a productive day, right? Um, whether that's working, you know, job stuff, or even on the weekend, just having a productive, just getting things done for myself and ending it with just some blissful creativity if that makes sense i mean for me those are those are my best days i think where i can just get into some sort of zone i've got certain you know several different crafts that i like to do and you know picking one and then just going at it and even if the end product looks like crap right and, you know i think that's there's like an underlying theme across this whole conversation right it's like if the end product doesn't look the way that the world wants it to look it doesn't matter because i i did it right and it's just okay. Those are good days for me, I think, where I could just kind of just take out of my soul and make something for myself. You know, uh, you know, those are good days for me, I think.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's a specific like structure, structure, or um, thing that I ha- that I do that happens that makes it a good day. I feel like a good day for me just doesn't have any extra stress in it like if nothing happens that throws me off whatever like it it can be a day where i just go to work and come home but like as long as everything kind of goes according to plan and maybe a little bit better uh that's that's all right that's good to me especially now
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i i highly agree i think like for me for me it's following a series of like five or six days where it's, I don't wanna say nonstop work, but like mostly nonstop work or days where I've put in a lot of work and then having a day where I can just chill and do whatever I need to. And like, maybe that means I work on something around the apartment, or maybe that means that I really sit down and I start focusing on a writing project or an editing project, but I'm choosing to do it as opposed to being pushed you have to do that right now. <laughs> so that's that's for me, yeah. that's what a good day looks like. Now, normally we would end the podcast asking what we just talked about, whether it's transphobic and whether it's enjoyable. Uh, that doesn't necessarily apply to this conversation. So what I will ask is what are some characters that you've seen, uh, if you can think of any, that portray non-binary, genderqueer, uh, any kind of essentially non-binary character? that you've enjoyed and what, what is it about them that you enjoy?
1: I was thinking about that when you, Hmm. Ashley, when you were saying, you know, talking to writers that, you know, that non-binary characters can be people. We don't have to be like beings um, like that. And it's, I really personally can't think of any characters that are human and non-binary, at least not in the like overall, thing the closest thing i think of is stevani from steven universe and they i always i always find them really identifiable just in the like the way people judge them based on their appearance and don't really know what to do with them and i know especially for a lot of non-binary people of color they very much latch onto that character um but yeah for me also uh i always go with the doctor from doctor who especially after they like you know, introduce that she's she can be a woman. But, like, I always love the idea of just, like, having different bodies and, like, going through different phases and things like that and being, you know, just reinventing yourself like that always very spoke much spoke to me on a gender level.
2: It's, it's such a good question, right? You know, so obviously my brain goes towards She-Ra, but I've already made a She-Ra reference mm-hmm. this episode. Um, <laughs> but, you know, so just... What if you do eventually do that show, Ashley? I would love to be a part of it because I, I could talk awesome. about she Raw forever. But you know, as far as characters or, um, you know, it's hard. I guess it's kind of hard to say because a lot of times it's, you know, I could think of people like in real life that I think of. You know, like a lot of times I think of like Cara Delevingne, right? You know, um, you know, for me, they're such a good example of just somebody that's just so wholesome. You know, they they're gender nonconforming. But they're also non-androgynous right which like for me like i i like that and you know not to say that miley cyrus is an idol or somebody that i necessarily idolize or look up to but you know miley cyrus is also somebody who's non-androgynous but non-conforming and that's just i don't know that, that kind of stuff is nice to just see people that are successful they're out there this is a part of who they are but it's not everything about who they are it's important to them internally, but for the rest of the world, they look at them for their talent, their craft, their 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 standing, right? And for me, I, I guess I like that. I, I like I like seeing people like that, examples of folks who are just living their best life, and they happen to be like me, you know. So that's that's it's yeah. good to see.
0: I for me, uh, I always go back to Sid from One Day at a Time. Um, i fucking love that show unironically that is a great show i need to figure out how to get pop so that i can watch the most recent season even though i'm sure it'll come to netflix after it's been a little while uh but like sid is amazing uh we've we finally watched the entire see- series and it's just like oh my god i love this uh another one that i really love is uh the character of uh taylor mason on billions uh played by asia kate dylan and i haven't watched a lot of the show. I'm gonna be honest with you. But at the same time, and the character, because we're talking about someone in finance, we're talking about someone in like a very like high pressure thing. Taylor absolutely like dresses mask. Taylor is that kind of view that we're talking about with androgyny. And again, like that you can be androgynous and that's really awesome. Um but there are so many like little things that I love. Like at one point they ordered uh oh man, I'm forgetting a lot of the specifics, but they ordered Taylor a vegan meal, and Taylor was just like, "You order me vegan meal? Why? Why'd you order me a vegan meal? Uh, uh, no, 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 go ahead. Why? Why'd you order me vegan?" And so they just kind of like, and then the character leaves, and Taylor, it's like, Taylor's like, "I am vegan, but you know, it's just like, <laughs> <I love> it. <laughs> it's just like, it's little things like that that I really like." And again, like, I'm gonna eventually sit down and watch billions, but at the same time, like, the bits and pieces I've seen, I've been like. This is on my docket. I just gotta be ready for like a show that's serious to really sit down and watch it. Cool. So tell people how to find you if you want them to on the internet. You could not. That's fine too. <laughs> uh
1: my Instagram is two-headed boy, boy with an eye. Um cat Kaplan should be the name that's there. Yeah.
2: Um for me, I guess the if you wanted to check out what i'm all about my instagram is dj baggage claim all one word you know that's a that's a whole separate story um but you know that's a...
0: <laughs> i love you i love you rocco <laughs> um
2: i uh there's a whole myriad of things that get posted there so come check check everything out i don't know you know that's uh, that's probably where you could come and see me easiest
0: uh and as for me you can find me on twitter at lucretia deerfor 4 l-u-c-r-e-t-i-a-d-e-a-r and then the number four uh is it transphobic also has a twitter at is it transphobic and is it transphobic has a, man i said that weird is it transphobic has an instagram uh, as I finally broke down and started an Instagram. Uh, and that is at Is It Transphobic as well. You can also join our Patreon, patreon.com slash is it transphobic. Uh there we will release our episodes one week early so you can listen to it earlier than the general public. We're also doing mini episodes where we're interviewing some really cool people. We've got uh on the on the bill right now, we've got SA Hunt, who is an amazing writer. Uh, and we've got a couple of other people that I'm just waiting to confirm, but you will get those interviews a month before the general public a dollar a month is all you need boom there you go all right uh so thank you all so much for listening and cat rocco thank you so much for being my guest today
1: thank you no this was great thanks
2: it was a lot of fun yeah a good conversation is it, it transphobic
1: you? was produced edited and coordinated by ashley lauren rogers
0: The original music you heard was
2: all created by Vivian Aledrin, who you can find on Bandcamp at vivianaledrin.bandcamp.com.